Blessings, everyone. This is Pastor Kerry Willis, a district servant of the Philadelphia District Church of the Nazarene. And welcome to our podcast. Uh, we call our podcast An Open Door. An Open Door. It's based on what the resurrected and glorified Jesus said in the Revelation to the Church of Philadelphia. He said, I have placed before you an open door. And so welcome. Come on through the door with me. And today we'd like to share a special episode. I say special because I wasn't planning on using this as a podcast episode, but it seems the Lord just leaned into me and I just believe I should share it. So I hope that it will be an encouragement to you. Uh, This is a message I actually preached on a Sunday morning at Seashore Community Church of the Nazarene in Cape May, New Jersey. That morning, I had heard early on the radio a song, The Goodness of God, and it just stuck with me. And that morning when I went to preach, rather than the message I thought I was going to bring, it seemed like the Lord was having his way that I would help the people to realize that our God is good. He really is good. And so here is the message titled, The Goodness of God. Well, that song that uh, Dana just started out a cappella at the beginning of the service was the first song on my heart this morning. I'm trying to see what the Lord's trying to tell me. This part of the song especially, And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. That's a mouthful. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Every breath. I want that to be my reality. And those of you who have been anointed this morning and to see the family gather around you, I would encourage you in every breath that you are able to sing of the goodness of God. You know, the goodness of God is a very essential idea that we think about, pray about. You know, a lot of churches, maybe you've done it here, just kind of became almost like a a ritual of sorts. We'll see if you know it. God is good. And all the time. Really? Really? Do we believe that? Or is that just a cheer, you know, that we do on the sideline of our spiritual walk? God is good all the time? And all the time, God is good. This is the very essence of our life on earth is whether we really believe that or not. I have a sneaky suspicion that as we get closer to the end of our lives, 
because I'm the closest to the end of my life I've ever been. So I know some things. I have a sense that these songs we sing are going to carry more weight the closer we get to our last day on earth. I mean, this morning, I'll just listen to the songs that you sang to us and trying in that frame of mind to think about those words. And really, I don't have to go any further than the song you began with. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. My dad was a commercial fisherman. He had a shrimp trawler like Bubba Gump. And I remember the day, it was the year 2000, I believe I'm correct, and our family was vacationing on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, Ocracoke Island, the pearl of the Atlantic. And uh, we had another family from our church that had vacationed with us before, and they were with us on this particular getaway. And um, the gentleman from the family and I were riding through the village, and my cell phone rang, and it was Mom. And she was at Harker's Island, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour ferry ride from where I was, plus about another 40 minutes on the road. And uh, Mom said, Carrie, I just wanted to let you know. Now, this was July the 5th, 2000. I just wanted to let you know that um, in the night, your dad's boat burned at the dock. You don't need to come. <laughs> That's my mom. I told her, you know, dad passed away in 2014. I said, we're lucky we got here before you buried him because she doesn't want to trouble us, you know. She, she hates troubling her sons. But on that day, 2000, she said, now you don't need to come. I want you to pray for your dad. And I said, well, Mom, I'll pray for him, no doubt. And uh, I look at the gentleman friend with me, and um, we were close to the ferry terminal on Ocracoke Island, and I realized they hadn't closed the line yet for the particular ferry that was leaving, so I just bolted through the ticket booth. They had, uh, had a ticket. I got on, last car on, and we left the dock. I had to call Kim and tell her, I'm on my way to Carter County, um, we just were barely able to make the ferry. And um, so Rich and I are headed to the island. Dad's boat burned at the dock. Now, this is whole livelihood. And um, had no insurance on the boat because most commercial fishermen can't afford insurance. Um, there's been too many others who went out in hard times and sunk their vessels to collect the money. So it's pretty high. And that's why in a hurricane or whatever, my dad was always trying to find a safe place to, you know, to rest his boat until the storm passes by. But this was a storm he didn't see coming. And um, so in the night, his boat had burned at that dock. 
and there was nothing but the hull left. I mean, the fire department got the fire out, so all was left was the hull, the cabin, and the rigging, and the the winch, and the you know all of that was burned. But uh, the hull was saved, so it was still afloat at the dock. And so we made our way uh, across the ferry passage, and we landed at Cedar Island. And um, we drove the 40 minutes or so to Harker's Island. Dad didn't know I was coming. Mom didn't know I was coming. Um, So I came in. Dad's truck was there, so I knew he wasn't down at the dock. And I came in the door, and I heard my dad wailing in the back of the house. I had never heard it before, and I had never heard it since. And so I headed... I just barely spoke to mom coming through the kitchen and uh, I wanted to comfort dad, you know. So when my feet hit that little plastic mat they had in the hallway, dad sucked all that wailing up because, you know, a a parent knows the gait of their child. (laughs) He heard a few steps in that hallway He knew it was me. (laughs) So, Dad had a great sense of humor, even in hard times. Um, He was, Dad said, when the going gets tough, the tough take a tub bath. Dad was taking a tub bath when I hit the hallway, and I went down to the bathroom, and I just stood in the doorway. And the way the tub is, you can't see in the tub, you know. And Dad leaned over (laughs) and looked at me. Had shampoo in his head. He had been down in that soot all morning trying to see what he could salvage. Wasn't much. And dealing with the SBI and whoever else showed up, um, it was believed to be arson, which is another whole story. But... um, Dad leaned over and he looked at me and he didn't address me or anything like that. He said, I'm sure when you came in, you heard me wailing. I said, yeah, Dad, I heard that. He said, well, you didn't hear it all, so I want to tell you what that was about. (laughs) He said, I had just told the Lord, even if I don't sense your presence, Ever again in my life, I want you to know that every day that I can breathe, I'm going to tell somebody how good you are. Can't buy that. Can't learn that in a textbook. And uh, Dad held up to that. As a matter of fact, I never seen anybody turn bad news into good news as quick as he did with that burnt boat. Never in my life have I seen anybody do that. Now, I know that was the Lord helping Dad to do it. As soon as he got his bath and got cleaned up, we went uh, down to the dock. Investigators were still there. Daddy pulled the chief investigator to the side. He said, I want to say something to you now. Listen close. You can investigate all you want to, But if somebody burnt my boat at the dock, I've already forgiven them. And I will not press charges against them. 
So you waste as much of your time as you want trying to figure out who did it. But the court has already been in session and they're forgiven. That investigator was smart. He dropped it right then. He wasn't going to waste any more of his time. He could tell this old fisherman was serious. I don't know. You can't do that in the flesh. You can't do that humanly. And, of course, through the years, people would come to Dad and give them hints about who they thought had burned it, you know. Daddy would listen, and then he'd say, well, if they're the one, they're one of the ones. What do you mean, one of the ones? One of the ones I've forgiven. Your forgiveness is pretty powerful. I watched it in my dad's life. But dad took that bad news and turned it into good news. You know, it's one thing to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good, but living it's a whole nother kind of idea. So dad, whether he's at the grocery store or, you know, getting gas in his vehicle uh, at the church house, wherever he was, people pull him aside. They were, you know, sorrowful for dad. He had had a big loss. But they got good news. Now, it was often through tears. I mean, it affected him. It hurt. But he didn't want to get bitter. And, you know, we have something to say about bitterness. Bitterness is a choice. And my dad wasn't going to go there. He took it off the table early. He had a lot to be bitter about. But he just decided that wasn't an option for him. He took bitterness off the table. Now, if you're looking for a verse for today's message, I'm going to give it to you now so the Bible thumpers will be happy, okay? And I'm a Bible thumper. I love the Bible. I'm going to let you go find it because, you know, you should know where the Gospels are and where these stories are. I'm not even going to give you the reference. But it's a beatitude, a beatitude. It's not in the beatitudes, I saw a fisherman here this morning, one of the prettiest ties I've ever seen, got the Beatitudes on it. It's not those Beatitudes. Those are Beatitudes, but, you know, the blessed are's. If you don't know what a Beatitude, blessed are, the blessed are, the, that portion. Now, that's, the, that's the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. That set of Beatitudes, you'll begin in Matthew 5, you'll find it. But there are beatitudes that are hidden throughout Scripture that are also blessed ours. It makes good homework to go look for them. They'll bless you. They really will bless you. And um, my dad heard me preach my first revival. And uh, it was in 1992. And his son preached a message that he never got over. Now, that's humbling, you know, when you preach and your dad's the one who gives help. But in 1992, on the old ferry dock road at Harker's Island, North Carolina, in the Free Grace Holiness Church, I preached a 10-day revival. And one of the messages that I preached, now this is a church I was raised in, you know. One of the messages I preached was titled, The Beatitude of the Unoffended. And it comes from the story when John the Baptist was in the basement at Herod's castle and he was in prison there. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And he's the forerunner of Jesus, the one who baptized Jesus, the one who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that John the Baptist. 
Well, he's having a bad day. He's in prison, and Jesus' ministry is flourishing, and he don't understand what's going on. Neither would we. So he sent a few of his friends to go find Jesus on the Judean hillside and ask him some questions. <laughs> and one of the questions, you think you've had a, a day when your faith's on trial. Well, think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, I want you to go ask Jesus, are you the one? <laughs> if, I guess it's okay for us to have a question every now and then. He said, now this is the one who declared, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now he's having a hard day. He's having a bad day. He's in prison. He sends word to Jesus and says, are you the one or should we expect another? <laughs> well, I mean, in his human mind, just like we are, you know, hey, you know, I've been here, Jesus, you know, uh, you're going to help everybody else. How about me? Why have you not sprung me from this prison? Well, certainly that was his question. Any of us would have had it as well. And they said on the day that John the Baptist kind of said bad things about Jesus, he's questioning who he is. Jesus said the best things he ever said about John the Baptist. Now, you got to go find the story in the Gospels, okay? But when he asked the question, are you the one or should we expect another, uh, Jesus said, you go back and tell John that <laughs> the blind are seeing... <laughs> The lame are walking. <laughs> the good news is preached. <laughs> and then he added a little line. This is the beatitude of the unoffended, one of those hidden beatitudes. He said, you tell John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. <laughs> wow. We'll put that in plain language. Well, it's pretty plain, but I'll, I'll make it simpler. Blessed is the one who doesn't get bitter because I don't do things the way you expected me to do things. Would you like to have that blessing? It's for us. We have to claim it. It's kind of in that song, with every breath <laughs> that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God. Do you know other people are going to come to your life and question, where's your God? I thought you served God. Why are you suffering? Why are you going through this? Uh, where's he at? You know what they're asking? Is your God really good? That's the question. I have a sneaky feeling that some of John the Baptist's friends have been to visit him in prison. You know, just because somebody visits you in prison don't mean it's going to be an encouragement. You just can't get away from them. You're a captive audience, you know. I got a feeling that some of his friends have visited him and said, John, where's your Lord? Where's Jesus? I mean, you were there for him. Why is he not here for you? Maybe John said, that's a good question, <laughs> you know. Go ask him for me. I, I don't know. It could have come down that way, you know. I remember one day I visited a young man in prison, uh, this was some of the most moving things I ever did as a local pastor, visit people behind bars, in this case, behind glass. They have a little area where you can go, and you sit on one side, pick up a telephone. They sit on the other side, pick up a telephone. And his name was Joel. A young boy had everything going in his life, but he made some really bad decisions, and he ended up in prison. And when I went to visit Joel, Pastor Sheldon, I'm not sure who got more help, me or Joel. 
but I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I got more. Uh, but I remember one day, every day I would go, I would pray for Joel before I left, you know. And uh, I would put my hand up on the glass, and he would put his on the glass on the other side, and I would pray over him. And then I would leave. But the last day I remember visiting Joel. Joel's out now, praise God. But the last day I remember visiting him, we put our hands up there and and Joel bowed his head and I said, no, no, not today, Joel. Well, what do you mean, Pastor, not today? I said, today you pray for me. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I said, no, I'm not leaving until you pray for me. And you know, after Joel was done praying, you know what he had basically prayed? Even in here, God is good. With every breath that I am able, I was saying of the goodness of God. So my dad, back to dad, and how he turned that bad news into good news, because everywhere he went, he witnessed to one at a time, churches started calling my dad. <laughs> and he wasn't ready for this. This was not what he had in mind. And the call would go something like this, Captain Billy, this pastor so-and-so, I wonder would you come on a Sunday morning <laughs> and give your testimony <laughs> in place of my sermon? <laughs> and Daddy tried to talk him out of it, you know, because that wasn't what he had in mind. But he remembered what he had said to the Lord and what he had echoed to me. If I never sense your presence again for the rest of my life, I'm going to tell someone how good you are every day. Well, the Lord took him up on that and took it to a new level. So my daddy took his testimony. When he showed up, he didn't have to talk because when he stood up, you could tell the man wasn't bitter. He was unoffended in the way God had allowed things to unfold in his life. <laughs> and would you believe, my dad was so humbled by it. My dad was a, was a saved, sanctified man, but he was a self-made man, you know, in business. He didn't like to be, you know, a drag on anybody else. I mean... I remember one time he was having hard times and I was having good times and I had to take him for a ride, you know. And I said, Daddy, I know what your answer is going to be, but it's already done. I had bought him new nets for his strip trawler because he needed them. And he looked at me like, well, you're enough like me. I guess I just better not argue with you. It's better take them. But that was, my, that was a hard drive for me. That wasn't a happy drive. But it's something I had to do. And I saved his dignity, and I just took him in the car. He's the only one who knew. But my dad was like that. He was a giver. <laughs> he wasn't so crazy about taking <laughs> You got to do both, though, you know, if you're going to really be a genuine believer. I'm just trying to help you understand who my dad was. 
And so he went to these churches. I mean, denomination didn't matter. Uh, all churches need some good news. <laughs> and my daddy said, well, whoever calls, I guess I'm going to have to go because I told the Lord I'd do this. He had no training. <laughs> but my daddy had that E.F. Hutton way about him. When he opened his mouth, people listened. You know, he just had that way about him. He was real. He's probably like one of the first disciples, you know. Just an old fisherman. Had no other plan about anything else. <laughs> until Jesus got a hold of him. And he went to these churches one at a time for about a year. I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And he didn't know what was going to happen. But at every church, at the end of his message, the pastor said, Brother Billy's helped us today, hasn't he? Amen, cross the night. Well, we're going to help him. He had no insurance on his boat. And love offering after love offering after love offering after love offering. Daddy rebuilt his boat with zero, with zero debt. And the people of God paid for it. And the name of his vessel was the Lady Melba. That's my mama's name. Now you know why we call her Lady Melba. Daddy named her that, named his boat after her. When he did, a, he did an interview for the local paper, they asked him, why did you name your boat the Lady Melba? He said, because just like my wife, she's a lady from stem to stern. That's my daddy. He rebuilt the Lady Melba with God's money. He didn't want to take it. You know, he tried not to take the offerings, but he knew that the Lord was up to something. I'm trying to encourage you with a real-life story, with every breath that you were able, sing of the goodness of God. Do you know that just because bad things happen to us, that has nothing to do with whether God is good or not? Nothing. You know what? We just came through a season called Easter. And what happened on Good Friday, if that's not enough to prove to us that God is good once and for all, we're in trouble. Just because God doesn't show up and, and spring us from our prison when we think he ought to, that doesn't mean that he's not good. And what he asks of us is, if you want a blessing, don't be bitter. Be unoffended in the way I choose to do things. Do you know that dad later would say, I wonder how many people gave their life to the Lord because my boat burned at the dock and I went to church after church. And that's not including the sidewalk. He talked more on the sidewalk and at the grocery store than he did at the church. But God turned something bad into something good. Is that not what he's about? Do you know those of us who are in suffering right now, do you know the suffering might not be about us at all? The suffering may be about those who are watching us suffer. And will they, when they're around us, become better or bitter because of the way we are responding to what God is allowing in our lives? That's deep water. I close with this. In 2014, God and I had a talk. 
you ever take God aside and have a talk with him? You know, Job did that, you know, in the Old Testament. Job was the one that suffered more than any man, you know, on the planet. And uh, if you read the message paraphrase of Job, it'll move you, I promise you. It's like a whole story. It's written like a story, like you would read aloud. I love it. I love it. I want the message paraphrase of the Bible just so I can have Job. You, you read it and get back with me. But in there, that Job took a whole chapter and let God know what was on his mind. You ever give God a piece of your mind? And in the next chapter, God opens his mouth and Job says one thing, I should have kept my big mouth shut. That's what Job said in the message paraphrase. But I took God aside in 2014 and had a talk with him. And my daddy had cancer. That wasn't my plan. I felt like we'd been shorted time together. He was a fisherman. He would take the trawler two to three weeks at a time because he loved the family. He wasn't a workaholic. He had to put food on the table and clothes on us. We wanted to play sports, you know. It cost money. It was the family trade. But he would leave, and I was the oldest, three boys. And he'd say, help your mama with your brothers. <laughs> it's like that old song, Patches, I'm depending on you, son. If you've never heard that, you don't know good music. <laughs> and my dad would leave. Boy, I didn't want to let him down. You see, when he said that to me, he took one burden off mama. That was me. He straightened me out for the next few weeks. I need you to help your mama with your brothers. <laughs> Later on his deathbed, Dad apologized to me for being gone so much. I said, Dad, just cut it short. You don't need to apologize for that. He said, what do you mean? I do. I said, you don't. He said, why? I said, because I saw you cry when you turned your head. And you not wanting to leave us was almost as good as you staying. I knew you only went because you had to. He cried. I cried. But in 2014, I took God aside. And I said, God, look, Dad and I need some more time together. I mean, I was playing on him living into his 90s, you know, so, and I'm a traveling preacher, and, you know, our, our time together is short, and he's only 74, you know, and uh, I was talking to God. One of those days when I was sidelined with God, we were at Sailor Snug Harbor. That's a convalescent home kind of for people who are in, you know, therapy and stuff like that, and uh, Dad was in therapy. They were trying to help him. Uh, with this cancer issues, and uh, he couldn't get out of the bed. And so uh, the night before this day I'm telling you about, I was tucking Dad in, literally, and he said, uh, do you think tomorrow you could give me a shower, Carrie? I said, Daddy, I'll move heaven and earth, give you a shower. He said, well, i got to have a shower. He said, they got this big commercial shower back here somewhere. He said, just do me a favor. Before you leave home, will you get my suave coconut shampoo out of the tub? <laughs> I have three showers right now. All of them have suave coconut shampoo in them because it's the smell of memory. And what happened next will tell you why. The next morning, I got the suave. I came down. I got Dad in my arms like a baby, put him in the wheelchair, 
rolled him down to that. They weren't joking when they said big commercial shower. It was big. I got daddy propped up in there. He's a, you know, he's a, he has some dignity. He wanted to give himself a shower. He just wanted me to get him in place where he wouldn't fall. And so I did and got his shampoo opened, got his soap for him and all that. And he was over there when he got all that soap on his head and it was running down his eyes. It reminded me of that day when he had leaned out of the tub, you know, and said, you know, every day he had lived up to that. He had lived up to his end of the deal. He had told somebody how good God was every day. And he's over there with that shampoo in his head. And I'm reminiscing, but I'm upset, you know. I'm upset that this man in a few weeks be leaving my life. And he cleared the soap out of his face and he leaned out of the shower. And he said, son, don't get bitter. <laughs> and then he quoted my verse to me from the sermon I had preached in 1992. He said, blessed are those who are unoffended in the way Jesus chooses to do things. <laughs> and then he went back to washing his hair. <sighs> I'm still getting over it. <laughs> but uh, every once in a while, I got other bottles of shampoo, you know. But every once in a while, I say, today is a suave coconut day. <laughs> and every time I wash my hair with that shampoo from Dollar General, because many are going to ask me after, where do you get that? Uh, Dollar General. <laughs> Some days... I have to wash my hair and I have to talk to myself. I say, Carrie, blessed are those who are unoffended in the way God chooses to do things, in the way Jesus works or doesn't work. He's still good. And I think that's really all the Lord wants me to tell you today. With every breath that we are able, let us sing of the goodness of God. You think you could sing that for us? Just a cappella, even any, as much of it as you know. Now, this morning, if you have a, if you've been tempted to, if you've been tempted to, to be bitter, that's human. That's not a, that's not new on you. <laughs> that's human. But if you would like to pray, uh, if you'd like to just come and lay something at the feet of Jesus, I do have one quick ending that I have to tell you. My final conclusion. <laughs> At my daddy's funeral, it was a long one because he has three preacher sons. It was a long funeral. But everybody that spoke to us afterwards said, it didn't seem long. We could have listened longer. Wish we'd have known that. We'd have preached longer. But each of us got up and said we'd take 10 minutes. First one took 16. Next one took 23. And the next one took 26. I'll let you figure out which one I was. But I did need a little extra time because I looked out in the crowd and there was a man there I wasn't expecting to see. He was the top candidate among the, the island gossip. The man who most likely burned my dad's boat at the dock. He was at my daddy's funeral. And I told the story. 
about my daddy's boat at the dock. <laughs> and how on the very first day he went to the investigators <laughs> and said, I want you to know that I forgive him. <laughs> I don't know if that was a man. But he waited at the cemetery to hug me. <laughs> Could it be that my dad's refusal to get bitter put that man in heaven? Because shortly after my dad's funeral, my friend prayed the sinner's prayer with that man. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, running 
is dismissed. Amen. You got something? Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thanks again for joining in today for this episode. I pray that your heart is wonderfully warmed. I pray that something about this message today will be marvelous in your todays and your tomorrows, that it will have an eternal impact in your soul and in the souls of others that you encounter. Until next time, and thanks for joining in to an Open Door podcast. Just remember, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That is a true statement. It's more than a cheer of the church. Oh, the goodness of God. Shalom.